Welcome to the Abundant Life Church Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message by Pastor Michael Kiley. For more information about Abundant Life Church, please visit www.abundantlifechurch.org. Uh, we'll dismiss our Sunday school at this time as well. Um, if you'd like to turn with me, you don't have to stand right now. I know you've been standing for quite a while. Uh, when we get there, we'll get there. Um, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, the first scripture I'm going to go with is out of Jeremiah chapter 18. And I want to talk to you this morning, uh, there's no secret if you are on our, our media platforms of what the titles are now of the services, and this morning I want to talk to you about the potter's hands, being in the potter's hands. The Bible talks in the book of Genesis that we're made out of the dust of the earth. It also references us as clay. And I remember um, as a teenager, um, those of you that are from the Oconomowoc area will be able to reference this, but at the city beach there were these platforms. I, I don't know exactly how far out they were, but there were platforms set out and, and you could swim to them and they had a ladder and you could jump off of them and do all sorts of weird things that you know, teenage boys and girls do at, at a beach and flop around and splash each other. But there was a corner on the left corner of that thing. If you swam down to the very bottom and you stuck your hand deep into the silt or whatever it was, you could grab handfuls of clay. And I remember... One time we just, we piled it up on the corner of that thing. You swim down, you grab it and just start piling it up. And, and one of the things that fascinated me about it was because I thought, man, it's kind of bizarre that you could make something out of this, potentially. Now, obviously, you don't want to use that particular type of clay. But in my mind, I was thinking, man, something can actually be made out of this. And before I go any further... To all of our guests here today, we want to thank you for being here this morning. I just want to reference one, one thing before I go any further. Um, there's been a lot of things going on here this morning. Some of them you may not understand. Um, we have a hospitality suite in the back of our church, and one of our pastors is going to be back there after church to answer any questions you might have, even about the message that's about to be delivered. So again, we want to welcome you to go back to the hospitality suite. One of our ushers be happy to guide you back there after the service and see if you have any questions. Now in Jeremiah chapter 18, and starting with verse 1, it says, The word which came to Jeremiah from the Lord, saying, Arise and go down to the potter's house, and there I will cause thee to hear my words. Then I went down to the potter's house, and behold, he wrought a work on the wheels. And the vessel that he made of clay was marred in the hand of the potter, so he made it again another vessel. This vessel was not going to stand up to the pressure. It was marred, so he had to make it again. Then the word of the Lord came to me, saying, O house of Israel, can I not do with you as this potter? Saith the Lord, behold, as the clay in the potter's hands, so are you in my hand, O house of Israel. If you were here this morning, you heard Brother Meyer talk about how Israel and we are very similar. 
we have a lot of similar traits. One of them is we have the same potter. The same potter. Now, I've been doing some looking around here on pottery, and I've been excited about this message. And I found that there there are some core pieces And I'm going to need you to do something for me this morning, because as I was preparing this message, there are so many things that I could go a lot deeper into, you know, similar to Brother Meyer wanted to go a lot further in some things this morning. I I understand that we have constraints with time, because we can't be here till three o'clock. We're all going to get hungry and withered, even though we can make it, as Brother Meyer said, about three weeks, some of us longer than others. The, the, the thing I want you to do is I want you to preach with me this morning. I want you to take the pieces that you hear, the little, the little gems, and go ahead and go deeper. Because there's a lot here when you start digging in. And I'm just going to take what God gave me to deliver, and you can take it the rest of the way, all right? There are some key pieces, and I want to focus on these when it comes to pottery. You have bowls. You have cups or mugs, pitchers, and the most prestigious, the vase. And you have those things that your kids bring home, whatever that is <laughs> that they bring home. We had, we had one, and we found it while we were moving. I still don't know what it was supposed to be. It's, it looks like it could be like the outline of a cliff, and then there's a little puddle in the middle. Um, Looks like a good thing for a spider to live in, frankly. But that's about it. But it's a masterpiece in the parents' eyes, right? Right, right. So when you watch these things being created, and and I I spent some time on YouTube, and I've been looking at these things, and one of the main things to start out with, you have this piece of clay, right? And Typically, it it has some kind of firm form, and then, then what the potter has to do to make it pliable is he has to apply water. See, we're all objects of clay to be molded, but what makes us pliable and usable first has to start with the water. We have to be covered in water, and then the potter can begin to mold and shape you the way that he wants to shape you, not just the way that you think you should be shaped. As they start to shape the material, the potter has in mind what he wants to create. He doesn't just grab a thing and then kind of like, well, I don't know, maybe this, maybe that. But when he starts to build it up, it's, it's pretty amazing when you watch it. But one of the key things that I learned was that as you begin to hollow out the inside, there has to be equal pressure from the inside and the outside of whatever they're creating to build it up. And sometimes we as Christians, we don't handle that pressure so well. We can get stuck on things that aren't easy for us to overcome. So when that pressure is applied and the the potter is trying to make this masterpiece and all of a sudden, there becomes a flaw. We're marred. The scripture says, 
breaks it down, and he starts up again. The same thing with us. What I want you to imagine is you are that clay today. You are on the potter's wheel. And God wants to mold you into into what he sees you to be. So again, some of the key elements in this process for pliable material is water, withstanding pressure, and going at the proper rate of speed. This is, does not, you never see a, a potter with a turbo wheel that somebody's going to get hurt, right? But each of these items that I'm going to focus on today have very specific purposes when I talk to you about the bowl and the cup. See, but before we get to that, that point, we have to understand that we're all at different places. In our walk with God, what he wants us to be, what he sees for us, what his plan is for each and every one of us. But each of these items has a very specific purpose. Let's start with the bowl. Bowl seems to be the most simple, right? So let's try and take some spiritual application. And, and, and in preparing this message, I've thought a lot about this process. You know, I even hearken back to the old Sunday school song, which many of you will know. And it says, he's still working on me to make me what I ought to be. Took him just a week to make the moon and the stars, the sun, the earth, Jupiter, and Mars. How loving and faithful he must be because he's still working on me. We will never finish being worked on. So don't hold somebody else to a standard that they're not ready to take because God's working on them too, just like he's continually working on me. And when we look at this bowl, the most simple one, all right, everybody's seen a bowl. What's the purpose of a bowl? It's to hold something, right? To ret- usually a heaping pile of cinnamon toast crunch. <laughs> Covered with skim milk, though. <laughs> Got to watch that physique. Okay. I love cereal, and I like, I like to get big bowls. These little things, I just have to make too many trips, and that's just unhealthy. So you get a big bowl. That bowl, and again, I want to apply this now spiritually. So when we look at these items, again, preach along with me. Isaiah 64, 8 says, But now, O Lord, thou art our Father, we are the clay, thou art the potter, and we we all are the work of thine hand. So when we come to God, come to an altar of repentance, God fills us with his spirit, baptized in the water, We're pliable. We've made a decision to get on the wheel. And we say, God, make us what you want us to be. And I believe he starts off and he says, you know what, I'm gonna make you a bowl. And what I want you to do is I want you to retain what I give you. I want you to retain the knowledge that I'm giving you from the teaching of my word, from the prayer meetings that you have. By the way, Friday night prayer. This week, he says, listen, I'm surrounding you with people 
to give you the knowledge. I just want you right now, I want you to retain it. I want you to soak it in. I want you to hold it, and I want you to take as much as you can in. Not a little bowl like this, a cereal bowl. You know, one of those bowls you put popcorn in. Nobody asks for a little bowl of popcorn, ever. And God says, all right, I just want, I just want you to retain what I have for you. I just want you to hold it. And I want you to glean everything that you possibly can from this right now. Now, one of the things that I, th- I think that's worth noting is that we have a tremendous amount of things that we can put in our bowl. Our church has, has tried in several ways and has many avenues, and some of you may not be aware of them. But we have a home Bible study that goes on every Wednesday night. Back in the cafeteria that Brother Meyer puts, Brother Joel Meyer is teaching. Every Wednesday night. If you've never been to a home Bible study. Now I was brought up in the church. I, hadn't go, I didn't go through a home Bible study until I was probably out of high school. We, we learned through paces and other workbooks. But I hadn't gone through a, a Bible study until I was after, out of high school. There's nothing to be ashamed about. It's a great opportunity to learn. We have a foundations class that talks about the fundamental, foundational, biblical things. We have teaching on Sundays and Wednesdays and and preaching and fellowship. All these things that you can put into that bowl so you can continue to grow. Again, this is when we just take it all in as a bowl. You shouldn't stay being a bowl, though. That's not the end game. That's not the goal. So what has to happen when you've received what God wanted to give you, it's now up to you to take the next step. And in Luke chapter 20 and verse 17, it says, And he beheld them, and he said, What is this then that is written? The stone which the builders rejected. The same has become the head of the corner. Now if if you were here this morning... For our lesson, Brother Meyer preached. He was getting right on this, and I was, I was like, oh boy. The next verse, whosoever shall fall upon the stone shall be broken, but on whomsoever it shall fall, it will grind him to powder. Your bowl needs to be broken. There is no going back to being a bowl. That's not the way God has created us. God has created us to continue to mature and grow. We recently were blessed with an opportunity to uh, go to Alaska, and one of the ports that we, we went to, um, we took a train ride. And um, it, t- it takes you along the, the trail that was created for uh, the miners in Alaska. And there was a story that stuck out to me as we went up, up the uh, mountain, and it's, uh, it was called Black Cross, was a stop, and they had a little sign there, and, and our guide told us the story of Black Cross. And what it was was there were these miners, and they were, they were having to blow up huge chunks of granite to be able to make this railway. And two of the gentlemen that were uh, working on that, um, unfortunately, one of the large chunks of granite broke off while they were on the side of it, and it came crashing down and crushed them. Obviously, with the size of this rock, they were never moved. They simply put a stake there and said, 
This is a memorial for these two gentlemen. You have, you have two options, as it says in the scripture. You either fall upon the stone, or the stone will fall upon you. Eventually it will happen. As we were going up the mountain, that was actually the thought that occurred to me when we went up there is, they are literally ground to dust. Now we have an opportunity, again, to fall upon the stone and let, let God create us in the new image that he has for us. But there has to be a breaking. Too many people want to keep their bowl just in case. Well, if this doesn't work out, I've always got my bowl. I can go back to just being a receiver. Exactly. So let's talk about another story that, again, we need to take to heart. Burn the ship. Many of you have heard this. Burn the ship was born from an idea that originated in 1519. That year, Hernan Cortez set to Veracruz, Mexico with his crew. Upon arrival, Cortez men became weary and scared with hopes of turning back home to their old life. As legend has it, Cortez had the men burn the ships, leaving no option but to press on. Their ability to retreat to their previous way of life was gone. Their safety net had been removed. The burning of those ships represented much more than a separation from old ways. The same fire that set the ships ablaze also allowed Cortez men to complete their mission and be a part of something greater than themselves. Burning our ships means there is no turning back to old habits and ways. In this world, we wrestle with all kinds of different physical, mental, emotional, spiritual battles. To allow great change in our lives, we must find the root of those struggles, our own ships that can be so tempting to sail back on and burn them or break them. God is calling you to a higher place, but it's decision time. Man, I'm a bull. I'm kind of comfortable but I feel God wanting me to do something more. Will you fall upon the rock and allow your bowl to be broken? Will you get back on the wheel and allow God to shape you again into what he wants you to be? Your next adventure, the next conquest. So, Let's move up. Let's move up to the cup or the mug. Now the cup's a little bit more difficult than a bowl because it goes a little higher. Typically, there's more chance for failure. Again, you're going to withstand pressure. You may not make it the first time. When he puts you on that wheel and he says, you know what? It's time for you to be a cup. You've broken the bowl you're ready to move up, and he starts to apply that pressure. Then there comes the heat. We've had so many messages on that, I'm not even going to go there right now. 
And he says, I want you to be a cup. So again, after spending some tough time on the wheel, you become a cup. What does the cup signify? Let me share with you my opinion. It's an opportunity for you to share individually with people. For people to drink from the testimonies that you have. From the truth that, you can, that you've come to know. It allows you to now, instead of just retaining, to start to share in small individual bits what God has done in your life. Because now it's not just coming in, but you're also allowing it to go out. Again, you can talk to them about what God has done in your life. You can talk about them about getting on the wheel, about a place of repentance, baptism, infilling of the Holy Ghost. Again, I don't know where you're at. You may be a cup. You may be stuck in bowl mode. But God supports all of these things with his word. Psalms 23. Many of you are familiar with this passage of scripture. We're going to read the whole huge chapter. Which, by the way, this is one of those ones when my mom would say, you need to go read a chapter of the Bible. This is the one that was the the easiest, so we go for this one. But it's powerful. And I want you to especially pay attention to when he talks about a cup. In verse 5. But it says in verse 1, it says, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside the still waters. He restoreth my soul. He leadeth me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Thou preparest the table before me in the presence of mine enemies. Thou anointest my head with oil. My cup runneth over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. See, our testimony can be seen in many different ways. You, say, you may say, well, I'm only a cup. But to that person that's dying in a desert of sin, and you bring them water so that they might never thirst again, that is the most important cup they're ever going to drink from in their life. Amen. The most important opportunity. You may say, well, I'm no theologian. I've not read the Bible cover to cover. Do you know what God did for you? Do you know where he brought you from? Do you know where he's taking you to? Isn't that worth sharing? Isn't that worth giving somebody else the opportunity to get on the wheel and sharing with them? 1 Peter chapter 2 and verse 9 says, Ye are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, an holy nation, a peculiar people that ye should show forth the praises of him who hath called you out of darkness into his marvelous light which in time past were not a people, but are now the people of God, which had not obtained mercy, but now have obtained mercy. That is what you should be giving people to drink. When you come in contact with them, Revelations 11 says, and they overcame him by the blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimony. 
You don't need to whip out the Bible study chart and go through 12 lessons, you know, at Perkins. You need to do what God requires, and it's to speak your testimony. And in Micah 6 and 8, it even tells us more specifically, he has showed thee, O man, what is good, and what doth the Lord require of thee, but to do justly, to love mercy, and walk humbly with thy God. It's not just about obtaining mercy. It's also about showing mercy. Don't avoid them. Don't look down when you walk by them. When you walk humbly with God and you show mercy, people will ask. People will wonder. And you have an opportunity to share what you have in your cup with them. This is what I refer to as passive outreach or kind of reactive. Letting people find you, but then sharing with them what you have, what you've been given. 2 Timothy 1.8 says this, Be not therefore ashamed of the testimony of our Lord, nor of me, his prisoner, but be thou partaker of the afflictions of the gospel according to the power of God. Who hath saved us and called us with an holy calling, not according to our works, but, but according to his own purpose and grace, which was given us in Christ Jesus before the world began. This is a big changing point that we're about to approach in this message. And I'm just going to be, this is, this is going to be the toughest part of this message, all right? It's where so many people in church get sidetracked, I believe. Now, they want to be a vase. I think they're beautiful. I, I mean, I, we've seen, we've, we've been able to travel some and, and seen vases. My mom has this little vase from when we were in Singapore, and it's beautiful. I mean, that thing's old, but it's beautiful. It's rimmed in gold, and it's got their, like, city seal, it's, it's gorgeous. When you look at things from these relics, the thing that they all want to show you is the vase. Again, I've thought long and hard about this, and I've prayed about it. And let me tell you what I've come up with. A vase. Like, let me ask you this before I go any further. How many men have bought their wives flowers? And it comes in a vase, right? My good friend Les back there used to pick on me because I used to send stuff to Donna on a pretty frequent basis after we got married. And he's like, come on, man, you're making this look bad. He's, and then he said, don't worry, it won't last long. <laughs> he was right, those things are expensive. You don't order them with the vase after you do the first one, otherwise you just have a ton of vases up in that that have to be cleaned out at some point. But they're beautiful at, at the start. You know, there's, there's flowers in them. But a vase is really where things go to die. I'm going to let you chew on that for a second. And then I'm going to show you what I mean. Again, it's beautiful on the outside. Nobody's going to argue that. But it accomplishes nothing. 
You buy flowers, put them in a vase, you put some of that pebble food in there, a little dust, I don't even think it's real, it's probably salt. Put it in there. You got these flowers in there, and they're pretty for like three days. And then all of a sudden the flowers begin to die, but nobody wants to take them out yet. I don't know how it is around your house, but until the cat eats all the petals or the table's covered in, in them, nobody's moving that vase. Nobody's emptying it out. So when you go and get it, it almost begins to have this stanky odor. And that ring, I don't know what that is around there, but there's that ring in the vase that it's kind of slimy, but then it's kind of firm, but it's overall disgusting. But that's what happens in a vase. See, I don't believe God wants to make a bunch of vases. I think in our minds sometimes we think that that's the pinnacle. It isn't. You're right. The vase is actually the opposite of what we want to be and what we need to be. In Matthew chapter 23 and verse 26, it says, Thou blind Pharisee, cleanse first that which is within the cup and the platter, that the outside of them may be clean also. But woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for ye are like unto whited sepulchres, which indeed appear beautiful outward, but are within full of dead men's bones and of all uncleanness. Even so ye also outwardly appear righteous unto men, but within ye are full of hypocrisy and iniquity. Some people in church, again, feel like they have done their time. They want to just be a vase. Fill me up and the water will eventually evaporate. They may get some water added here and there. Powerful service. But they're not willing to pour anything out. You've made yourself a vase. The crazy thing is, anything can become a vase. A cup can become a vase. How many of you have your, have your kids put a dandelion, bring it in, all covered with ants, put it in a paper cup? That's a vase. Anything can become a vase. So we're encountering a lot of change at Abundant Life. I think there are very good part of this is it gives us all an opportunity to examine ourselves. Who are we here for? And what does he truly want from me? And what can I become? What is my place? Am I willing to fall on the stone and allow the potter to put me back, put me back on the wheel and allow him to have control, to use me as he sees fit? Tough question. What does he want me to do? Wouldn't you like to do that first? Well, hold on, Mr. Potter. Let's talk about what you expect from me first. What do you want? What do you want me to be and how much effort do I have to put in? How is it going to impact me? Am I going to have enough time to watch this or go here or do this? 
But that's not what he says. He says, fall on me. Be broken. And then I'll shape you into what I want you to be. So what's the other option? Other than a vase. Do you hear God calling us to a higher place? Do you hear him this morning speaking? He wants us to go further. Are you willing to have your cup and your vase broken? Are you willing to fall upon the stone yet again and say, God, whatever you want me to be, I know it's going to be tough. I know when I get on that wheel and I start spinning and you start putting pressure on me and things start to challenge me, I know it's going to be tough. I know it's going to be difficult. But God, no matter what, I want you to use me how you see fit. I'm going to focus on this last item, a pitcher. A pitcher has one purpose. It is to be filled so it can pour out. That's the only thing it's there for. Whatever you want to put in it, you can pour out from it. That's what a pitcher does. It doesn't sit there and look fancy. It's, it's not there to drink out of. It's to pour out in large quantities. See, the cup, you can sip from a cup. Don't try and sip from a pitcher. Those of you with kids and Kool-Aid know exactly what I'm talking about. But it has one purpose, and I believe that God wants all of us at some point in our walk to be a pitcher. We don't need to be asked to do something, you just do it. This is proactive. I talked to you about the cup being reactive. Reactive is, man, you know what? I noticed something different about you, Brother Meyer. What is it? He shares his testimony with me. He's got a pitcher, man. He's, he's not sitting in a pew waiting for me to come to him. He's like, hey, Mike. I got something for you. Let me tell you about this. That's proactive. Reactive? Eh, that's a lot of churches around here. Reactive. But a pitcher is proactive. A pitcher goes out and shares what they have. Again, don't have to be asked what to do. You know when people are in need. Pastor doesn't have to call you specifically and go, hey, can you pray for this situation or that situation? We go out of our way to try and meet others' needs, to help them to a place of safety, to share their burden, to encourage them through the storm and to let them know that there's a strong tower to run into where they can be safe. When we come to church or in our prayer time, we need to make, be making sure that our pitcher is full so that we can pray for people at the altar, so we can speak to people in the streets or at work, that we are constantly ministering what God wants us to do in our lives, but not just in our lives, but in other people's lives. Jesus was and is the proactive approach. Think about it. Would have been a lot easier just to stay in heaven, sit back and say, man, I tried to give these people an option. 
I told them what they had to do. You just bring the doves or the, the cow or this or that, sheep and doves and all this stuff. You bring it every year. And it would have been enough. But he took a proactive approach. And he could have avoided the pain, the nails through his hands and feet, the betrayal, the hurt, the people that he helped, that he loved, that he cared for. You know, like relatives, some friends that may have hurt you, talked badly about you, even though you tried to help them. He experienced that. He still went to the cross as a proactive approach. But he, he was the actual pitcher. Let me, let me tell you the example of that. When, he was, when the spear was thrust in the side, what came out? Blood and water. The ultimate example of a pitcher. The ultimate sacrifice, always giving out of what he has to those that he comes in contact with. Doesn't matter what people have done to you, show them mercy. Just like you were shown mercy. Share with them what you have. I don't, doesn't matter where you are right now in this situation. Doesn't matter if you're a bowl, doesn't matter if you're a pile of clay. If you allow God to put you on the wheel and mold you, he will make you into something useful and special in his sight. Just like that piece of whatever it was that that child made for you, it may have looked hideous to anybody else. But to you, it was a masterpiece. When God creates us and we do what he wants us to do in that form, that is the masterpiece. That doesn't mean that there's not another masterpiece down the road. But that's what he wants for us right now. And what God wants us to do is be humble and be receptive to what he wants us to do, not, not yesterday, not 10 years down the road, but right now. Where does God want you right now? And are you willing to go there? If you're a guest in this place today, you're in the right place. You've come to this place because you know that you need to be molded, that you need to be shaped. I'd love to tell you it's going to be easy, but that wheel spins. You may get motion sickness. You may have trouble with the pressure. But the great thing is, is the potter's never going to just leave you on the wheel. He's going to take you He's going to put you back together and he's going to shape you into what he wants you to be. If he's living inside of us, how can we not share those same things that he's shown? Love, mercy, and compassion for those around us. I'm going to hit on, this, on one more thing before I ask you to stand with me and, and that is this. We have to be careful to look at other people's cups, bowls, and pitchers. Or non-created items as of yet. 
I've, I've learned a lot in, in the abundant amount of time that I've been in church, and that's this. One of the things is this, is that people will always go through struggles, and they may break that cup, and God may just make them a cup again. Because the pressure is just too great. They're not ready for it yet. So God says, you know what? We're going to spend a little more time as a cup. And he takes you in and he shapes you. we got to be careful not to critique or criticize, but to encourage. Encourage people to take that next step. We've seen a lot, a lot of great things in, 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 in church and the growth of, of people. And one of the greatest things that I've seen is that when people are encouraged to grow, it goes so much better than when they're criticized. If you want to see somebody succeed, encourage them. Don't, don't use the negative, hey, you know, you should really step up. You're, you're kind of slacking. Encourage them. You know what? I see a lot of potential in you. I look throughout this church here today, and I don't see anybody that couldn't at least talk about their testimony. I don't see anybody that couldn't partake, participate in a Bible study, foundations, even teach a Bible study at some point. Everybody here is capable of doing that. You have to decide if you're just content being a bowl or a vase or if you're ready to take the step that God wants you to take, to get on the wheel and let him make you what he wants to make you. You stand with me this morning? Again, so you've come into this place today. I don't know what you came in as. Maybe a bowl, a cup, a vase, a pitcher, a blob. God wants you to allow him to shape you into what he wants you to be. And it doesn't matter what you end up being if you allow him to shape you. There's been a lot of times in our lives when we take steps we're just not sure why we're taking that step. What, why this direction, God? Why this issue? Why this problem? Why am, I, why am I seeing so much pain and frustration and struggle? I'm trying to do my best to live for you, God. There might be some pressure being applied. And if you stick with it, the Bible gives you a promise. All things work together for good. Not for everybody, but for those that love God and are the called according to his purpose. What is your purpose for us, God? What do you want us to be today? Is it a cup? Is it a pitcher? What is it? And allow God to shape you the way he wants to this morning. Lord Jesus, we thank you, Lord God, that you are the potter and we are the clay. That you get to decide what you want us to be. What makes us effective in your sight, in your kingdom, to reach those that are lost, 
to open up our hearts, Lord Jesus, to receive what you have for us, the direction. Help us to be an inspiration. Help us to be encouraging. Help us to show mercy, Lord, to each and every person we come in contact with by sharing your word, sharing our testimony, sharing your love, and letting that show through us to each and every person we come in contact with. Help us never to shy away from an opportunity to minister, but to speak boldly, knowing, Lord God, that you've given us the opportunity and you will give us the words if we just allow you to use us for your glory. We ask this in Jesus' name. This altar is open for prayer. God bless you as you come. Thank you for listening to this Abundant Life Church podcast. We pray it has strengthened your relationship with God and will continue to be a light unto your pathway to heaven. If you have any questions or comments regarding this podcast, please telephone our ministerial team at 262-965-5177 or email us at info at abundantlifechurch.org.